Welcome to another episode of Free Basketball. I am your host, Ryan Meadows, and I will just be going solo today because if you listen to last week's episode, you know this week is the updated power rankings. Where are we at right now currently with um, a lot of the teams in the NBA, and where are the Grizzlies at specifically? So it's just going to be me today. Cody had some family from uh, after the Christmas holiday. So he will not be able to join me and do the uh, last mascot standing, which if you like the first round of that, sorry, we said that the second, uh, or I guess the play-in was last week, and the first round matches are going to be this week. That's going to be pushed off another week, um, so we will not bring that to you today. But we are going to do power rankings, where they're at, what's a little different from was before. Um, And I'm going to start it a little differently because... I've got to talk about the Grizzlies and I'm not necessarily going to go in on the Grizzlies pretty hard, but there's some things that have been kind of frustrating me over the past, you know, five games now, because what is it for us now? We've lost four of the last five um, with this loss tonight to the Suns, which was another embarrassing loss. It's three embarrassing, or I guess, three of the last four losses have been really embarrassing. Like the Thunder loss was an expected loss, right? Like came off the emotional high of destroying the Bucks. We were bound to give one away to the Thunder because we didn't care. But that has seemed to carry over now to where the last couple games, the losses have been really ugly. And even in the one win against the Suns, I wouldn't say that it was particular pretty to begin with. But I'm getting a little bit of ahead myself because... I do want to preface this by saying that the Grizzlies are a good basketball team. I know that I'm not the type of person and most people shouldn't be where the last couple games is how you view the team overall. Uh, Because teams go through lulls like this and they usually get fixed, right? Um, Now this has kind of coincided with, you know, Desmond Bain being back. So it feels like we should be back to where we were at the beginning when Desmond Bain and John Morant were just running shot on everybody. Uh, But even at that point, at the beginning of the season, they're still playing together. We weren't exactly blowing people out. Um, So coming off this recent seven-game winning streak, we feel like we can beat anybody, cap it off by beating the Bucks by 41 points, and we think we've arrived. Um, and sometimes your best win of the season can be the worst thing for you because that win against the Bucks was obviously an outlier. The Grizzlies are not 41 points better than the Bucks. The Bucks just had a really good game, and the Grizzlies actually gave a crap. But since that moment, the Grizzlies have walked around like nothing can touch them or nothing can hurt them. Um, and I know that kind of coincides with Jaws kind of comments, which everybody's going to talk about now. And I get it. Um, the, um, you know, the idea that we have no problems in the rest in the West. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and give a bunch of comments about that kind of thing. I mean, it's been talked to death by everybody. Oh, what win some playoff games first, or what's he talking about? Blah, blah, blah. They're not even at 500 against Western teams this year. So they are 9-10 and 10 against the West after they dropped the game to the Suns tonight. And so I think Jaw, the way he said that was, I have no problems in the West, is that no one can guard him. And that's true. 
And I think he only said the Celtics because the Celtics are probably really the only basketball team in the NBA that could actually give Ja fits on offense. The problem with the comments that Ja made is that everyone's going to make it seem like it's the team, right? Like him and his team have no problems with anybody in the West. And we as Grizzlies fans and any NBA fans and, and all know that's just not true, right? Like it's a team sport. Um, and so I think that people have kind of run with that. And it also gets highlighted because of the recent struggles by the Grizzlies where Jaws comments of having no problems in the West, like maybe you should win some games against Western Conference teams in the regular season before you start saying that you're going to dominate the West and have no problems in the playoffs. Um, so I get that sentiment. Uh, obviously, I don't care that he said it. We like the confidence. If you were a Grizzlies fan, if you're not a Grizzlies fan, you're listening to this. Like, if you had a player that was like that on a good team who said that we've got no problems, you would obviously support it and be fine with it. But because it's not your team, you're not going to support it and you're going to try to bash it, which is fine. Um, you're not going to hurt my feelings that you don't like it that he said it. I, I don't care that he said it. I like the confidence. But now this is the time where you have to actually back it up. So right now it just looks really bad coming off of those comments because the Grizzlies are not backing it up. And strictly, I think you can point to that with, it's just the way they've been shooting the ball, right? Like if they have been shooting the basketball at least average, they would probably have won, you know, maybe not all four, but maybe they would have split. Maybe they've gone two and two um, in the last four, maybe three and one, who knows? Um, certainly not one or uh, one and three. Um, but the pat like with that winning streak, right? It's, it's truly with the three point shooting that I think is the big indicator. And no, this isn't rocket scientists. I'm not, um, showing anything to anybody that there's like, Oh, I didn't think I didn't consider that before. Uh, but in that seven game winning streak, I mean, they went 82 of 231 from three, 35% which league average three-point percentage right now is right at 35%. It's 35.7%. Now, over the last five games, they're 41 and 163 for 25% from three. So it truly is the three-point line on offense that is killing them. Uh, the problem that I have with them is the defense. Now, I know with Jaron Jackson Jr. being back, the defense has gotten better. And that is what I said in previous episodes, that the Grizzlies, I can't take them 100% seriously as a title contender until the defense changes. Well, the defense changed during that seven-game winning streak, which we did talk about. There is context to that um, with the quality of wins, but the defense is still a problem. So I know there's a lot of metrics that says they're an efficient defense and all that stuff. And that is probably true with Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court. The problem is the perimeter defense. And the guards are doing an awful job of communication with bigs. Who are they picking up? What's the assignment? What's the rotation? What's the scheme? Um, and Jaw, especially tonight against the Suns, it really stuck out. He is being picked on. And he's not the only one. It is not his fault for why... Not he's not the only one at fault, I should say, for why this defense has been so bad recently. 
All of the guards have had huge communication problems. I mean, Brandon Clark even, not even rotating, has no idea where his man is to box out on rebounds. Um, That led to a couple offensive rebounds that were killers tonight against the Suns. So it's just being locked into me. To me, this team really doesn't have a sense of urgency. And I think that is kind of a hangover effect from beating the Bucks by 41, right? We, they played really, really hard in that game. They were locked in for that one, and they destroyed the Bucks. And I think there's a mental thing with that where when we lock in, we can destroy anybody, which probably leads directly into Jaw's thoughts about, you know, I've got no problems in the West, and he only has to worry about the Celtics. So there's no sense of urgency outside of people like Dylan Brooks, right? It looks like a team that is coasting, trying to make it to the playoffs. Now, is that a sign of them actually growing up? Where all teams that are playoff teams do this, right? The Warriors did this last year. A really strong start to the season. A couple people get hurt. They have a horrible midseason lull, and everybody's wondering about them. Get everybody back, and they bring the urgency back, and they make it and win the finals. So I'm not saying the Grizzlies are on par with that kind of uh, chance to make the finals, but the urgency has to come back because that's how the Grizzlies ascended to being a top team in the NBA anyways. It was their night-to-night sense of urgency. We were going to beat you to the boards. We are going to play scrappy defense. We are going to be the first to the floor. We are going to talk trash and back it up. We weren't going to duck the smoke. We run up the chimney. I see a team that's ducking a lot of smoke and don't really feel like running up the chimney right now. So I don't know if it's just a holiday lull. Um, People are sick. Maybe because they played on Christmas Day, they missed being home with their family. It's a little out of routine for them. Uh, But there is something going on with this team that looks really bad because the offense is bad, but the problem is still on the defense. And so for this team, they are deeply average right now. There is really not a pop from any other player. And this is kind of what happens when you draft role players, right? You don't really get an outlier player who can have a hot streak. Like, if John Bain are not running 100% full tilt all the time, then this team could look like they're in trouble. And they can look really vanilla. Like, the offense in half court is vanilla. Um, and when they're not scoring in transition, then they have to play half court, and they're just not a really good execution half court team. So, I know there's been a lot of people talking about this team needs to make a trade, and I, I agree, they have to make a trade at some point. Uh, But this has been a front office that has said they will not sacrifice long-term for a short-term window. Uh, But here's the thing. We know how windows work in the NBA, right? And your window is not guaranteed. You are not guaranteed a Golden State Warriors window where you have 10 years together. Um, You could have a window that's like the Utah Jazz, where it's three to four years where you're pretty good at the top of the West and you flame out in the playoffs and then it's over and then you're in a rebuild. Um, So now we're going into year three of expected to be in the playoffs 
Now, last year was probably their first year at really trying to make a push and didn't get out of the second round. A lot of injuries, right? Um, and a Dylan suspension, um, which we all kind of say, what if with that series? So the clock is starting for me. You've got Desmond Bain still on his rookie contract. His contract's coming up soon. You've got to make a decision about Dylan Brooks coming up. Like, you have your window is always smaller than you expect it to be. Um, and I'm not trying to say that to like frighten Grizzlies fans, like, oh, we'll be good for a decade. In theory, yes. Uh, if you lock up Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr., health provided, like you should pretty be pretty good for the next six to eight years, right? But we've seen this over and over in NBA history. Your window is not as wide as you think it is. The door can shut to your playoff, um, your NBA title chances. It can shut very quickly and very abruptly. Just ask the Oklahoma City Thunder about that. Um, draft Kevin Durant, draft Russell Westbrook, draft James Harden. Make the finals. What was it, 2011, 2012? They should have never made it there. But these are three of the top 10 players in the NBA at the time. And they were really, really young. And then they made a decision financially. And it was like $3 million bucks basically to not pay James Harden. And guess what? They never made it back to the finals. And they always fell short and they always failed. And then KD left. Their window was done. As soon as they made the finals and traded James Harden away the next year, the, the window was closed. So I'm advocating for this front office. Like You can think that you don't want to sacrifice long-term for short-term, but most NBA franchises know that you have to kind of go for a short-term window if you've got it. And the Grizzlies have the pieces and they have the chance to put something together to make a move for right now or a year from now where they could have a realistic shot at making the finals and winning an NBA championship. They are one big key rotational piece away and I think they're just banking on the development of players Zaire Williams has been woefully terrible to start coming back I don't know if he's on a minute restriction have no idea what's going on but he's been awful um Stephen Adams Stephen Adams has not been bad but against the Denver Nuggets he was absolutely destroyed by Nikola Jokic now maybe that's not fair Nikola Jokic destroys everybody but he has been lost on multiple possessions in help and in rotation. When do I help? When do I stunt on a on a guard? When do I stay? He's just staying. He's not really moving anymore. Like there is a decision coming where is Steven Adams for this team long term? Like is Dylan Brooks going to be on this team long term? Like Tyus Jones has always said he views himself as a starter. Like what are we talking about long term with Tyus Jones? Um so I'm saying that for this front office, it has been a great development story. They have done a really good job drafting, and they deserve all the credit for that. But there is a time where you have to make a tough decision and kind of push some of your chips all in. Um, because it's very rare to have this, you develop 
seven to eight guys where you're going to be a top tier team. There's going to be flam outs. There's going to be busts. Um, you have to go get that final piece. The question is, what is that piece? So there's a lot of interesting things um, that I think are upcoming for the Grizzlies. And like I said at the beginning, the Grizzlies are a very, very good team. I don't think they're championship quality caliber yet, but they could be. And I think in essence, that is a piece that is missing. Is it Danny Green? Who knows? I guess we'll find out soon. It just feels like there is something missing. You need a pop of something extra. You need a wild card who, when you have lulls like this with your top guys, a guy that can go get something extra for you that you're not expecting. Um, So that you're not looking down the barrel of a 26-point Dwayne Washington game out of nowhere, and all of a sudden you're losing by 24 uh, you look up at the scoreboard and you're down 24 to the Suns without Devin Booker, who are struggling right now. So in other things with talking with the Grizzlies, the jury is kind of out. I do kind of want to add this on. You can score on the Grizzlies in transition. If you stop the Grizzlies from scoring in their half court, which is not hard to do, uh, you can get easy open baskets on them in transition. And I think you're starting to see that a lot from teams. They are pushing it back on the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are a woefully terrible transition team. Um, so that just goes leans into the sense of urgency. Um, I, I think it's easily fixed, obviously. Making shots helps, uh, but that only leads to higher scoring games. The difference maker is going to be defense. And I need to see a better buy-in from the guards defensively to start to feel better about this team going forward. It can't just be Jaron Jackson Jr. playing defense. Like it's just too much pressure to put on him. It's too much pressure to put on Dylan Brooks, who, you know, we kind of got to get wary about Dylan. Like is his contract year, is this going to start becoming a distraction for this team? Um, I think the Grizzlies kind of need to make a decision. You either commit to him so it doesn't become a distraction or you got to trade and put some feelers out there for him because I think there is potential for this to become a distraction if there's no communication between Dylan and his agent with this front office. What could that do when we come down towards the end of the year? Um, he's looking for that contract. I don't know who he's going to get it from. He doesn't certainly doesn't have any leverage. I don't think anybody, any other NBA franchise is falling all over themselves to you know, offer Dylan a contract, but you have to kind of resolve this issue so it's not a locker room issue because you see some kind of infighting on the bench, right? Like we all saw it during one of the commercial breaks with Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, obviously arguing about something and Dylan's like brushing him off basically. So you don't want something like that to become a distraction to your team. Um, but it's just weird, like the margin of victories for the Grizzlies – like, they're 3-3 three and three in games where the final margin is five points or less. They're just not playing close games, and even if they are playing in close games, like, they're a 500 team in that. Uh, 12 of their 20... <coughs> excuse me. 12 of their 20 wins have a 10-point margin, and 8 of their 13 losses have a 10-point loss margin. So, I like margin when I look at teams. I think it's certainly encouraging that 12 of the 20 wins have 10 points plus. 
Um, this is one of the league leaders in net rating and margin. Now, they're not one of the top five, but they're in the top ten on that, and that is certainly a good marker that you're looking for in a playoff team and a real contender. So I think to get back to those big margin wins, then it's going to have to get back to defense. And to not get blown out in almost in over 50% of your matches by 10-plus, that's also part of defense. You, the, when your offense is not going, you have to rely and lean on your defense to keep you in ugly matches, right? And it's just not happens, happening for the Grizzlies right now. So the final thing before we move on to the actual uh, power rankings, I know I took a little long probably on this, but I just had to get some thoughts out there about the Grizzlies because it's been kind of weighing on my mind. Um, so this was a perfect opportunity for me to do this. But I don't like to to kind of put a bow on it. I usually don't watch the pregame stuff. You know, when you, if you're a Grizzlies fan, you know you've got local TV. It's on Valley Sports. Um and I watched it today because I wanted to see if they were going to say anything about the recent, you know, the recent kind of lull um, that they've had after having a really nice seven-game win streak. Um, and Brevin Knight, I believe, or uh, Pete Pranica interviewed Taylor Jenkins about it. And I thought he said something really interesting. And this is what kind of led into my thing about not having a sense of urgency. He used the phrase we're the appropriate mentality. Um, we're trying to get appropriate mentality, specifically a road mentality. And I think that is the most important thing that we're seeing with this team. This team is not bought in a hundred percent all the time. Now, like I said, is that a team that's like one of these veteran teams do they don't take the regular season as seriously in spurts and then turn it on when they need to. And they're just trying to get to the playoffs because now they have the taste, they kind of know what it takes, and they want to make a deep run. Is that what's go- really what's going on here? And if that is the case, then we're going to have stretches like these with, these gri- with this Grizzlies team where we're kind of freaking out of why they're not trying. Or why they're not giving 100% effort. Or why is Steven Adams helping on a Draymond baseline drive for no reason? Like, what, like what are we, like, why are we doing these things? Um, so I think the mentality is interesting. Because Taylor Jenkins and his, and his uh, staff have a big job. They have to get this team refocused. And focused on what got them success in the first place. And that was the every night sense of urgency that they were going to bring it to teams, establish their dominance, and dominate other teams. Let's take a short break and let's get into the power rankings. Crew Pros, your single source for high-quality, affordable home services. If you are remodeling, repairing, or replacing, Crew Pros are the professionals that can do the job no matter the size. If you're thinking of remodeling your kitchen or bath, needing a new HVAC system, plumbing repairs, flooring, or a complete roof replacement, call Crew Pros. Crew Pros, proud sponsor of the Grizz 901 podcast. All right, back with the power rankings. Here we go. You've, if you've listened to previous power rankings episodes, you know how this works. Um, I go through, I'm going to keep going through the first through 15 
Uh, the first five, I give a little more context to of what's going on with them. Um, not a super, super deep dive, but just general thoughts. If you listen to the past, then you kind of know I'm kind of been pretty right about the trends with a lot of teams and where it might turn for certain teams. But um, league average, I'm going to add this to you just because I've been starting to keep up with kind of a league average thing. League average effective field goal percentage for NBA teams, 54.04%. League average three-point percentage right now is 35.7, as you heard earlier in the Grizzlies segment. It's interesting when you kind of I, – I like to look at offensive and defensive rating, and league average for both is 112.5. <laughs> so if you're an average team, 112.5 um, is kind of right in line and probably will consistently be that that all season. Um, and which makes sense, but I'm going to keep track of it throughout the rest of the season. Just kind of see if that changes at all. Uh, but we're going to start with our first five here. Um, number one still in my power rankings are the Boston Celtics, which this week they do play the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Super interested by the Denver Nuggets matchup. Um, last week they had wins versus the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Milwaukee Bucks. They did kind of have a weird couple losses right before that. They lost to the Indiana Pacers and then back-to-back to the Orlando Magic. Uh, but the big thing, big thing for them is they are lights-out three-point shooting team, and they had a slight dip in that. So that's probably the explainable part of why they have back-to-back losses to the Magic, lost to the Pacers. Um, slight dip in three-point percentage, and a couple guys were out and being rested, little nagging injuries. But they had a strong bounce back with... A nice couple wins the last couple days, Um, and I believe they beat the Rockets tonight. So now they're on another, what, two or three game win streak heading into the Clippers and Nuggets. And I'm very, very interested by that game against the Nuggets because that is the number two team in my power rankings right now. That is the Denver Nuggets who are on a four game win streak. They're 7-1 and one in their last eight. Now, as I'm recording this, they're currently playing the Kings. I know they are down big, but they came back and they're up midway through the fourth, so I haven't checked on that recently. So they might be 7-2 and two in their last nine, or they could be 8-1 and one in their last nine. But um, they're starting to get healthy. You can kind of see it with Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. has been in and out. Hasn't looked great. Aaron Gordon has been awesome for this team recently. And, of course, Jokic has been phenomenal trying to make another run at a three-peat MVP, which seems incredibly improbable, but how are you going to deny Jokic a potential three-peat just because you're tired of voting for him and his team's number one in the West, right? Like, if his team has 56 to 60 wins in the West, then he's the top guy and he's improved on his numbers again. I, I don't know the argument where you where he doesn't win again. Um, you would basically just have to say him and Tatum head-to-head, Tatum keeps this up, and the Celtics are the number one overall team in the NBA. That's probably about the only nod you can give him, right? Unless Luka keeps doing these crazy stat line nights like he had tonight, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Like Obviously, that's not going to continue every night, but he has those kind of games in him. If he's going to have a streak like that all year without getting injured, then... Maybe it's kind of a three-man race, but we'll see. Um, But, of course, with the Nuggets, defense is still the thing that I'm watching. Um, I do not consider them a serious NBA championship contender until they fix the defense. Now, it has improved. It's not one of the league's worst anymore. I think it's about 20th right now. Um, So it is improvement, technically. 
And I'm kind of interested with getting Michael Porter Jr. back and Jamal Murray getting more and more healthy. Um, I know KCP has missed a couple games for them. Like, when they have their full team, is it going to improve or is it going to be about the same? We know the offense is there. The offense is awesome. The defense is what I'm really looking from this team to see if they really are going to sit atop the West and can make a serious run at an NBA championship berth. Um, now, third in this list is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have stayed steady. Now, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. They're not... They're not the sexiest team. Um, this week, they play the Pacers and the Bulls. The offense has been kind of in and out for this team. It started to slide a little bit, which I believe on the previous episode was the thing that I was kind of looking for, right? Like, what is this team going to look like if the offense falls off a little bit? The good thing for them is this is the op- opposite of the Grizzlies. The defense is off- The defense is awesome in sustaining them in their offensive lulls. It is keeping them in games that they shouldn't be. Um, And giving Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, like it's giving them chances to kind of shoot through shooting slumps and win games for them. So that's the thing. It's like if I have the choice between just an amazing offense and a terrible defense or an amazing defense and a terrible offense – you know, I'm probably going to lead to the defensive side because I think offense you can get at least you can at least improve offense to be average, right? Where you can have a fighting chance. If you're just an out and out terrible defensive team, it is very hard to all of a sudden mid-season turn into an average or an elite defense. So the Cavs are an elite defense. I think they're the number one defense in the NBA. Um, but the three-point percentage with this team was is the major swing for them in wins and losses. If they're shooting well from three that week, they're probably going to have a three or four a week. If they're shooting poorly, it might be 500. If they're shooting really, really bad, then it might be a one and three. But that's the thing. The defense keeps them in this. So they stay third for right now. Um, number four on my list is the Brooklyn Nets. They are on a 13 to 1 run right now. The one loss came to the Boston Celtics. Now this week they play the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, so it's not like it gets difficult for them. Um but this is a big thing that like you know I've talked about in the past, it's the context. You have to kind of read through the context. Now I've given them a big bump because they have won 13 of their last 14 games. But you do have to look at the context of the schedule. During those 13 wins, they played the Blazers, who I believe without Dame. They played the Magic. They played the Wizards twice. They played the Raptors twice. Played Charlotte Hornets, Atlanta Hawks, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Cavs. So that recent, the Cavs one is the most recent one, which is a really nice win for them. The Bucks, I know the Bucks are second in the East right now. But they have not been impressive of late. I mean, I think they're on a three ga- three or four game losing skid. Um, so eight of their wins for the Nets in this run are against ten of the worst teams in my rankings. So it's not overly impressive. But they do get the benefit of the doubt for right now because they are actually winning them. So the schedule doesn't really get difficult. So I, I'm really expecting them to kind of stay 
you know, in the top five, in the top seven, barring a major injury, you know, soon. Um, so I think the Nets will stay in the top seven of the rankings of my personal power rankings um, for the near future. I could definitely see them falling back a little bit, but they do get credit for what they've done, right? Like this is kind of like the Nets, uh, the Kings conundrum from when we first did the power rankings. They cracked, I believe, the top five, and now the offense has fallen off a little bit. Now you're going to see soon where they rank currently. Um, so the Nets are kind of like my candidate for this, but I do think the Nets are overall a better team than the Kings. Um, it's just the injury setback that is worrisome because as soon as KD goes down, this team is done. Um, I think they can sustain a Kyrie problem. Uh, it's just basically about Kevin Durant, right? Like, And he's doing a lot for them. Uh, he's been awesome on offense. And I guess you could say that Maybe he is a guy that you could talk about for the MVP race if this keeps up. But I think the schedule context is important. They do get the credit for winning the games. But not an overly impressive run of games. Um, and to round out the top five, I hate this. This is, a, this is my fifth team. But I have to give them credit for what they've been doing. And that is the Philadelphia 76ers. I get it. I know. Um, but this week they played the Wizards, the Pelicans, and the Thunder. Or I believe they played the Wizards tonight and they actually lost. Which stopped their eight straight games, uh, their eight game winning streak. Um, they had won their last eight games until, until their loss tonight against the Wizards. So they're eight and one their last nine. The defense just has been really good. Like the Cavaliers has kept themselves in games with defense. They're league best. I think the 76ers are second and third in defense. So the offense is what the huge question mark is, right? Like James Harden's been missing a lot. Maxie's expected to come back soon. Will that give them a major offensive boost? Will they be more consistent? Uh, because Joel Embiid has been on an absolute tear recently. But they are very predictable, right? And they can fall off the wagon very quickly offensively. But they are a team that has been sticking in it consistently because of their defense. But this is another context schedule. Right, Those eight straight wins, they played the Lakers, the Hornets, the Kings, the Warriors, the Raptors, the Pistons, the Clippers, the Knicks. I mean, what's the most impressive win in that resume? The Clippers? Like, I don't know what you think about the Clippers. Like, the Clippers are winning games. But I wouldn't call the Clippers impressive. Um, so the 76ers are interesting. I... I like, there would have to be something pretty catastrophic for the 76ers team to not finish in the top 10 of the power rankings for me. Because analytically, it all looks good. Visually, it does not. So do you trust the analytic side or the visual side? Um, I think regular season-wise, the analytic side will hold up. But the watching it, the eye test, I don't think will hold up in the playoffs. And that's not really going out on a limb uh, because it's not really a team that has has done really well in the playoffs anyways. So it's not like I'm making some huge statement. Um, but it will be fine for now. Um, so that's the top five. A little more explanation about that. 
interested to see how it's moved. Obviously, I'm going to do these every month. Uh, but to kind of round out the rest of the list, this is a team that dropped out that was in the previous top five. The New Orleans Pelicans at number six. The Memphis Grizzlies actually come in here at number seven. And this is where I differ a little bit. If you follow the NBA, the NBA.com has their own power rankings. I thought it was absolutely nuts that they left the Nets out of the top five and they had the Grizzlies as their fourth best team in the NBA. That's just completely wrong. Um, Now, Grizzlies fan, love the Grizzlies. We love the Grizzlies. That's why you're tuning into this to see where they are. But we know that they're not a top five team in the NBA right now. They could be soon, and I certainly expect them to be by the end of the year. But right now, this is a team that's more towards the bottom of the top ten than it is in the top five. I think that's fair to say. Um, And so their wins haven't been impressive when they have the win streak, but you do get the credit. Good teams do big winning streaks like that against the bad teams. So... I hate to just say that it's a, you know, a context schedule of why they had a good run, but the good teams do that. So they certainly get credit for that. Had a regression recently. Expect them to get back going again here soon. Um, And so they come in at number seven. Number eight, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks I have not been impressed with. I know guys have been in and out of the lineup between Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Um, And you can tell me all you want about Giannis being MVP, but I'm just, there's something off with this team and I can't quite put my finger on what it is yet, but I do not love, I'm not as in love with the Bucks as I was a month or two ago. Um, Number nine, the Phoenix Suns. Number 10, the Utah Jazz. Uh, the next five round out the top 15. Number 11, the Dallas Mavericks. Number 12, the Sacramento Kings. This is how far they fell from the previous time we did the power rankings where they were top five. Um, so the offense has fallen off a little bit, and here they are, just like I said they would be. Uh, 13, the Portland Trailblazers, who have kind of had a little bit of a skid as well. Dame has been in our lineup. Um, number 14 is the LA Clippers, who the Clippers are weird. I can only think the Clippers are going to move up. I don't think they'll fall back unless it is cluster injuries, which for this team is incredibly possible. Um, And rounding out the top 15 is actually the Golden State Warriors. And I know Golden State Warriors at 15, they don't have Steph. How is that possible? Um, I tell you, I I trust my numbers more um, than a team without their top player for a few weeks. So I'm a believer that the Warriors are a good team. I know they haven't shown that on the road. They've been horrible on the road. They've been awesome at home. What happens when that levels out and they get everything going by midseason, right? I can only think the Warriors are going to move up. I certainly don't think they're going to get lower than 15th. Now it could maybe in the next week or two without Steph if they keep losing a bunch of games, but everything else for this team is staying the same. Analytically, they're shooting the ball well, doing a lot of things well. They just have not been turning into consistent wins. So I have to overlook 
their current roster situation a little bit um, and put that aside based on what I'm seeing in my numbers and where this team could be in two months. Um, So it's not a bias towards them. I just think that if you look at teams afterwards, um, like if you want to argue with me that the Knicks should be ahead of the Warriors right now, you can have that discussion with me. It's probably a completely fair argument. Um, But for what I'm looking at on paper with my numbers and where I think the Warriors will be, I'm not going to super overreact to what this next week or two um, is going to, or next couple weeks is going to be without Steph. Because I think when Steph comes back, this team will, this team will only ascend. Um, So that's going to be the power rankings update for this time. So I am recording this the 28th, a Tuesday of December. So we hope that everyone had a good holiday season. Hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas next week. It will be a brand new year and a new fresh start, a new year for free basketball. And Cody will be back hopefully. And we'll be able to do the first round of last mascot standing. If you listen to that, I know you're entertained by it. Um, and so I hope you enjoyed the power rankings and a little extra thoughts about the Grizzlies. So, if you've got any thoughts about that or want to argue with me, I mean, come on, review, post a comment, like send something to the Grizz901. Um, we certainly welcome feedback and response. So thanks for tuning in for this episode. Make sure you follow us at Free Basketball 3. Uh, go f- follow the Grizz901 podcast. Everybody doing all fantastic work over there. No Bluffing Podcast. Um, read all the articles coming out from our guys on the Grizzly. Doing a lot of stuff. There is a lot of content. If you're a diehard Grizzlies fan and you're just looking and looking for more stuff over at Grizzly, there is everything that you could look for and want to read or hope to read. Um, so thanks for tuning in. See you guys next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.